Welcome to our podcast, What I Didn't Learn at Harvard, where super connectors who will be talking about how to network smartly in a post-pandemic world. I'm your host and moderator, Rajiv Jadav. I'm a reputation management strategist and social impact activist. My co-host is Victor Lee. He's our Harvard alum, and he will be guiding us through all the things he's learned about networking since he graduated. In the episodes that follow, you'll be hearing from experts who do networking well. Welcome to another exciting episode of Things I Didn't Learn at Harvard. Today, we're joined by a very special guest. Today, we are joined by Dr. Belinda Sellis Basaka, also known as Dr. B, who is a pediatrician by trade, science geek, health and wellness consultant with a passion who loves to empower people to flourish and live their best lives by obsession. She holds a Bachelor of Science in Sociology biology from Union College, with a Master's of Science in Biochemistry and Molecular Biology, and an MD degree with a distinction in research, both from Albany Medical College in Albany, New York. Wow, that's a lot. Uh, She lives on her native Long Island, where (laughs) when she is not Dr. Bing, she she is Mrs. B.B. Zeitlin, hanging, brainstorming, and connecting with her cherished husband of many years, Ben Zeitlin. They are enjoying their empty nest in the most in the most bittersweet of ways, happily and happily reconnect with their two with their two sons, Emmanuel and Elias, through FaceTimes, weekend visits to their colleges and school break times spent at home. She also enjoys painting, arts, and crafts, baking, and cooking healthy recipe makeovers, entertaining, organizing spaces and events, taking long walks on the beach, and always searching for the best gluten-free, vegan, sugar-free chocolate treats. <laughs> I'd like to know about that. Uh, Belinda and Ben do their best uh, masterminding for their entrepreneurial ventures and other endeavors on long road trips and leisurely walk. In a constant quest for alchemy, they seek ways to create win-win situations and to leave the world better than they found it. Mom, I want to be a fighter. It's Dr. B's debut book publication and the companion workbook journal was recently released as its rightful counterpart. Wow, that is a lot. But before that, Belinda, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, Belinda, Belinda, there was a lot to kind of unpack over there. And maybe I'll just kind of like hand it to you. And maybe if you can sort of help to headline some of that for us, as far as maybe starting with your extensive medical training and background. So, I mean, like what got you started into that field of work? I was raised around medicine. 
uh, my parents were immigrants from the from the Philippines in the 60s and their group of friends were all doctors and I just was immersed in science and medicine and I always my uh, my, my a pretend play was about being on call at hospitals. My um, my experimenting was in the lab. I would mix things. I mean, I just was immersed in science and medicine. And it's no surprise that I ended up becoming, uh, I, I love children. So I ended up becoming a pediatrician. So, so at the earliest years, Belinda, were you, it sounds like you wanted to be a doctor. And so did you know you wanted to be a pediatrician or did you kind of come to that? Later. I, I initially wanted to be an OBGYN and my parents were saying that that is a lot of on call. You know, you're at the beck and call of your patients. There's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of late nights. So I slowly morphed into just instead of catching the babies, taking right. care of the babies afterward. And, <laughs> yes. uh, and I loved it. I really did. And so when you were in med school, is that when you kind of decided to be a pediatrician? I, yes. Well, I, I think I decided more during um, during pre med. Okay. I started. Oh wow! Even earlier then. Okay. I I started doing some rotations like shadowing, and I realized that um, pediatrics was probably more, more suited for me. And how did you feel about it when you went into it? Did you find that it was what you'd hoped for? Did you enjoy it? Yes, I mean, in medical school and in. Um, in residency, it was something that I was like, wow, this is exactly what I wanted to learn about and know. And I love learning about the human body and, and science and how it works. Um, and then when I got into practice, it was a little bit of a different story. Right. Sure. Now you have actual patients. Right? <laughs> yeah, it was it was more not the science aspect, but more of the um, bureaucracy of medicine that was a little bit of a rude awakening for me because I just, we, we weren't taught that in medical school. Sure. We weren't taught the the business aspect of running a practice or um, insurances, right. uh, whether it's malpractice or health, you know, so it was, it was different. And what about the psychology of being a pediatrician? The thing that always, you know, having been a parent, it's, you know, you, you have at least two, two sets of patients, right? You have the child, who and who's going to be difficult enough to communicate with, um, and then and then you have the parents who you know presumably are well-meaning but not terrible, not always very well informed, and then as you pointed out, Belinda, there can also be grandparents involved, right? Right. And so so how do you sort of how did you sort of maneuver with that? Because you know obviously our podcast is all about human relations, right? Mm -hmm. And how do you get people to understand you? How do you get people to realize that you understand them? And especially as a doctor, I would think, how do you get people to do what you want them to do? That is, yes, a loaded question and a loaded answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so definitely, I actually love being a doctor to children because they have no agenda. They just want to get better. Right. Right. So I don't I don't like saying that parents have an agenda, but, you know, there are certain things they don't want them to go to school or they want them to go to school. They don't want to make, go on the trip or they want them to go on the trip. So, you know, they're trying to skew what your decision will be. So it would work in the best favor, favor of the family or whatever plans they're making. I don't want to say that. I don't want to say that general, you know, I don't want to generalize, but for the most part, when a child feels better, 
they act better. You know, okay. they, if a child is not eating or, or sleeping well, but and then, and then we, we, you know, give them the treatment or the management, they come back and now the child's playing with me or eating or, or I, I don't care what the mom says, this child is better. Okay. You, you see what I'm saying? Sure. So my best friend from college is a veterinarian and she said, you and I have very similar uh, professions because when the dog when the dog or the cat doesn't feel well you can tell and then when they feel better they're playing it's oh, the same thing with the children right, right. Yeah, it's really, so, they're very it's very straightforward yes yes there's rarely any mind games being played when the child is sick they're sick when they're better they're better yeah. and so then there's a second layer of the parents and then there's a third layer of the grandparents sometimes so you do have to be diplomatic and you there's a a, a coordination of care there's a sociological component to it because there's a coordination of care with of the child in order to get the maximal results. Sure. So okay. You have to be a good communicator with all with all levels. And, and you have to, to get everybody to go along with the program. Exactly. But it sounds like the child in some ways might be the easiest. Exactly. And then, and then the parents. So can you think of any examples or case studies or stories, you know, particularly either particularly challenging situations? or particularly fulfilling situations you know that made you know the days that made you happy you were a doctor the days that make me made me happy when i was when i was a doctor when i was a clinical physician i i consider myself more now as an educational um physician uh, was when when especially the child when the child would say look i i did this because you told me to do this or you showed me how to do this or i did this because um, you know, Dr. B said that this would be the healthy thing to do. And I, I taught my, my, my sibling to do it or something like oh, that, wow. okay. that, that would, I would say would be the most rewarding. Sure. Um, I I've been out of practice actually now for 10 years, over 10 years, but I still see all of the children that I was, was in my practice and I see them graduating now and everything. And, and when I, uh, would comment on Facebook or Instagram. Oh, I can't believe my eyes. She's this and that. She's beautiful. She's smart. She's beautiful. Whatever. Or he's doing that. And they go, you, you, you were part of this, Dr. Oh, B. Wow. You, help, you help, you know, you're part of the success or something like that. You knew them back when, and you're yeah. part of this. So that to me was, is the most rewarding <clears throat> part of being a, a physician and seeing the child grow through from when they were born to now they're graduating high school um, or when they came to me when they were very young. Right. So, so that's great. Cause then you made so a real human connection. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. And so I, I guess I just wanted to ask, right. So, I mean, uh, obviously uh, uh, based on what you've shared with us, you've been like, you know, greatly influenced by uh, what you've been exposed to, you know, you're surrounded by science you then dived into becoming a doctor, a pediatrician, you know, Highly, highly, uh, that's like a high contact kind of thing where you're really, you know, almost creating an ongoing relationship with these right. kids as you're seeing them, you know, like evolve, grow older, you know, with the passage of time. So I guess the question is, you know, after, you know, being a successful doctor for so long, like, I guess the question is, how does the, what does it take for a doctor to then become a published author? And also, like, what is, like, does that have something to do with you being a doctor? Like, if you could maybe kind of like 
tell us a little bit about that because the the book title is very catchy. Mom, I want to be a fighter. That is, I mean, yes, there I do see a slight pe uh, pediatrics connection there with the mom part of it, but mm -hmm. obviously that's just my assumption. I'd much rather hear it in your own words as to, you know, what was the secret super origin story that went into the creation of that book, what that journey was like, and also why that title. So, okay. So what had happened was during uh, the pandemic, my older son decided he wanted to leave school and become a professional boxer. Um, it was during the time where we didn't know much about COVID and what was happening there. And basically, if you came down with it, it was a serious thing where there was no vaccines at the time. And people that went had COVID, went to the hospital, and we didn't, we couldn't visit them, right? We wouldn't know. So, so this as a pediatrician, as a mom, as just a regular person at the time, I was, I was very concerned for my son's health, let alone the whole boxing issue with the repeated head trauma or anything like that. Anyway, so this was, he, I, he was a junior in college, he decided to take a, a break. And it was a, it was a, a, a time of self-discovery for myself, to say the least, because I knew I had to let him go and do what he wanted to do. He was over 18 and he needed to fly. Um, and so I journaled and I journaled and, and that became the basis of the book was the journaling of my feelings and the <clears throat> reading and the praying and the listening to podcasts and listening to TED Talks and kind of dealing with it on my own. You know, as a physician, people I think would have said, well, what do you do to, to turn your child around to, to, to tell him to get back on the straight and narrow? But for me, it was, what do I do for myself, to myself, to be able to handle this well so the title of the book is not only mom i want to be a fighter it's an eye-opening guide to the speed bump gut punches and miracles of life so it was the idea that i mean that you were going to su support him and help him and guide him in that or was or was it was it was that kind of his whole thing and yours was your your quest was really how how to cope with it for yourself right. Yeah, it was a little bit of both, actually, Victor was, um, I wanted to, so there's a, so there's a saying that I learned in a leadership intensive, do we stand in our vision? Or do we stand in our ground? Our vision is that we want our child to be happy and love life and happy with what he's doing. But our ground was go to go to school, go to graduate school, become, you know, maybe get married, whatever, and then be happy. So we stood in we both had the same vision, but our ground was different. He wants to be a professional boxer. That's what's mm -hmm. gonna make him happy. Um, so it was so it was hard to kind of let him go and, and be supportive at the same time. So we said, if you're going to do this and you're an adult, like he said, I'm an adult. So if you're an adult, we're gonna you're gonna get an apartment, you're gonna get a job, you're gonna support yourself and um and we'll be there to help you. The, any way we can but you know if you're going to do this this is how it's going to be so there's like an element of uh, i hate the expression tough love yes so, yeah. so you, but you're conveying that he has responsibilities as well as just you know pursuing he can't just do whatever he wants exactly exactly and you know to make 
we say in the book, it, it's a part, it's one of the uh, sub sub chapters. It's like, we're in your corner, yes, but right. you know, we're in your corner. We're always in your corner. And at the same time, we're giving you the space to grow. Right. You know, so okay. This was, so this was a, a completely different experience that I have been uh, helping as a pediatrician, other parents, because I wasn't at that stage yet past 18, you know, a child uh, was past 18 until this point. So this was a new, this was all new ground for me. Okay. So Belinda, like, so is this like a parenting book? Is this a relationship book? Is it a mother, uh, like a mother-son relationship story? Like, can you kind of sort of like, sort of put it into a box for us, so to speak, just in case no, any of our listeners fall into one of those boxes? So the answer is yes. <laughs> it is a uh, it is a parenting book, but it doesn't you do not have to be a parent to read it because it's a self-exploration book. It's uh it's anybody who does work with kids, but it's also an interpersonal uh interrelationship communication book. And um, you know, a lot of the a lot of the the, the the misnomer of interpersonal co communication it really goes back to you and developing yourself oh, right if you have two relate if you have two people in the relationship you know oh, sometimes people say one gives 50 percent and the other gives 50 percent and that's an equal relationship but it really isn't it's one person giving a hundred percent and another person giving a hundred percent oh my god that's, that is, that's amazing okay and so, wow. so yeah. is the book kind of written from your lens and your vantage point as a mother, or is it written from somebody who's observing you and him interact? It's from my vantage point as a mother, but as a leader, as a pediatrician, as a leader, it has some science in there because, like I told you, I'm a science geek. Uh, has some <laughs> science in there. Has and it has a, from a leadership entrepreneurial perspective as well because we all know as entrepreneurs or business leaders, we have to take a leap of faith sometimes, right? right? So there's a lot of that in it as well. So that's why I'm saying you don't have to be a parent to read it. Uh, it's there's a lot of lessons that I myself was. <clears throat> surprised I was learning it too as I was going along so so that's where the come from is it's not just a parent a mother talking about the experience I, I'm glad you said that Belinda because I have two questions for you right number one what did you learn that really surprised you along the way okay, that's question number one question number two is what did you do on this journey that at the beginning you would have said oh my god I would never do that well, one of the things was to write a book. I just never would have thought that that would be something I would do this early in the game of my career, actually. Um, so what became a um, a sort of therapy for myself ended up being like what I would tell my patients, parents at this stage of the game, and then morphed into what I actually have been becoming through the process of writing this, which is a process of taking a mirror and looking at myself and saying, what can I do differently here? What can I do to not make the situation better, but make me better? I don't know if um, people, you know, don't know Jim Rohn, um, very, you know, leadership thought leader. Uh, he, he, one of his, he, he's trained people like Tony Robbins and, and people like that. And one of his famous quotes is, 
don't wish things were better. Wish that you were better. So wow. don't think, don't wish that things were easier. You have to become someone that can overcome those obstacles. Okay. So that's what I viewed this. I said, you know, this was sent to me not, not to just let myself go. Okay, fine. Let him. I had to be able to overcome this and learn how to be a different person through it. And that's what I did become from the end. Wow. So, th so those are the generalization or the, the general applicability of these lessons right. to life and, and to other situations. Right. Yeah. And I have to confess, I mean, I'm not a big self-help I probably should be, yeah, person. But but, I, but that concept of, sorry, yeah, Rajiv, Rajiv is already thinking, yeah, Victor, Victor needs all the help he can get. Um, so, so, but the concept of, you know, because I think, especially, you know, I don't know whether it's, as a document, you always think people are going to fix this, right? I have a problem. I need you to fix this, and you're saying, no, no, you kind of have to fix yourself. That's exactly right. That's okay. exactly the message is to fix what you could make better. It's what's right. your personal best um, in all aspects of your life, not just relationships, but your personal self, your personal Beth, with how, you know, your health, your, your spirituality, well-being, um, your, your career, your education. So you know. can you, Belinda, was that like, uh, was that like a blinding revelation one day? Like, oh my God, right? And then, you know, so there's sort of the initial revelation and then there's the concept that it applies to other situations. And then there's a concept that it applies to other people. So how did, how did those sort of dawn on you? Uh, chapter by chapter or round by round. Like I, <laughs> I, I said, there's 12 rounds and each round is, is titled with a quote from a famous boxer. So the first, oh, wow. the first round was, um, is Mike Tyson's quote, Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Yeah, I love that. So, and, and that was what I felt like when my son said this to us. And actually, he was punched in the face, too. He decided, you know what? I want to do something differently with my life. Um, so he kind of was like, a, you know, woke up to, I, I, I'm going to do this. And um, so through chapter, through round by round, it was like peeling onion skin layers off you know, and really delving deep until I finally realized, like, this is all about self-exploration, but then also every, that awakens you to who you really are. I know this might be a little bit, you know, your self-help thing, but it really does. And that's what the world needs. The world needs people that are themselves and, aw and woken up to their own, their own, you know, potential, their own power, their own greatness. Belinda. Yeah, I got to ask, right? So, I mean, the title of the book, Mom, I Want to Be a Fighter. Yes, it's very catchy. It kind of sends the, the brain spinning into like a whole bunch of different directions just based on, you know, people's own individual context, you know, of the world and what the word fighter means. Uh, my question to you is, you know, given the kind of the world that we're in right now, how parenting seems to be morphing, how people's identities and choices seem to be in the news quite a lot, like, again, not to cause to, or stir up <laughs> too much controversy unnecessarily, but let's say, uh, I guess my question to you is for parents that are, let's say, dealing with uh, situations where the child has, their, their son or daughter has taken a decision that they either don't fully understand or don't agree with, like, let's say, you know, like gender reass reassignment 
or you know transitioning from you know one gen to the next something like that you know that technically could be viewed as a struggle as well and maybe the parent either agrees or completely disagrees it could be either or right so i guess my question to you belinda is for something like that could that parent get something from the book as they're trying to kind of come to terms with the choice or let's say the startling choice that their child has made you are absolutely right it can be in fact at least two people in my network who have read this book have said that it has helped them tremendously with their child's decision to uh, transition from wow. from one gender to another and i've had i've had uh, you know in-depth conversations with them on how to support that child that child already is having a very um challenging time and as a mother all you want to do or as a parent all you want to do is help lessen that angst in your child so um there you know i did do a lot of coaching or or just talking sometimes people just need to be heard they don't need to have an answer they just want to be heard about their feelings they're able to uh, formulate their own response, their own integrity, their own stance on something, and still feel that they can support their child. With So that was a the dichotomy here with this book is because I don't, and I still don't want him to be a boxer. I don't want that. <laughs> he knows this. Sure. Okay. He knows this. I, I have know too much medicine. I know too much about closed head traumas, um, injuries. So, but I want to know that he can always come to us. And even if he gets injured, even if there's issues, even if there's problems that we are still in his corner. So that's a, a dichotomy there that as your child gets older and, and you really don't have a say in what they do once they become adults, but you want to be supportive and at the same time, you don't want to compromise your own values and integrity. Yeah, I, I think that's a great balance because, you know, obviously we all want to support our children. But the question is, what does support mean? Support doesn't mean like, right. oh, yeah, sure. That's a great idea. Go ahead and do whatever you want. Right. 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 That's what my kids think it means. <laughs> right. It's like whatever choice I make, you know, you're going to yeah. be there for me. And I'm like, no, that's not how it works. Right. But 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 I but I, I like the element of you know it, it, you know how we have to think about ourselves in this, and and the the phrase that comes to mind is, is is sort of how you deal with it when the unacceptable becomes the inevitable, right? Right. So you can't change it because that's like you said that's their decision, right? And so you're right. I guess you you can't change them. You can only change yourself, right? And that and that was a big realization in this book that was one of the big ones is okay. to, and i will tell you that ben and i did that and our sons both respected us for it oh i'm sure yeah they That's really good. you know even though we don't we didn't agree we don't agree on him becoming a a, a professional boxer i still want him to know that i'll be there for him with fights you know matches or whatever i don't know if i'll stay in the arena in the same thing but i will be <laughs> yes. staying at the neighboring hotel or whatever it be um but yes. but he but they know where i stand and i, yeah. no, I, I you know 
that seems like that, that that seems like the right balance, I think, in terms of how to how to deal with it. And I think that's that's probably the perfect place for us to wrap this up. I think that that's a beautiful nugget to end with here. Thank you, Belinda. You're welcome. Thank you so much as well. Thank you both. Yeah, it was a great conversation, and uh, yeah, let's stay in touch. Please send us your comments and questions about networking by posting them in the comments below. Or for a quick response, email us at dintlearn at harvard at gmail.com. Please like, comment, and subscribe. It means the world to us. Try today's networking nugget and tell us whether it worked or if you hate it or if you'd like us to brainstorm a solution for you, no charge. That's our way of saying thank you for supporting us by listening and sharing our content with people you care about. That's all this week from Rajiv and Victor. Thanks for listening to Things I Didn't Learn at Harvard. Hopefully you learned something here today.